you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. For those of you who don't know, I've mentioned it a couple other places, like on Twitter, but my grandpa died uh, last week, or the beginning of this week, or something like that, like five days ago. We knew it was coming, so it wasn't terribly hard on me, because we, you know, everybody was aware he had been in the hospital for a while leading up to that and everything, and he had kind of started to lose his mind and things, and... I wasn't really close to the guy anyways, not terribly close. When I moved away from Connecticut when I was little, they just kind of forgot about me, you know, my grandparents. They just moved on with their lives, and I just wasn't a part of it. So it didn't really hit me that hard, needless to say. But I was convinced by my sister to go to the funeral. I didn't want to go to the funeral because, for one thing, I don't feel that funerals are that important, honestly. Like, who are they for? They're for me, right? Not not for my grandpa, not for my dad. They're for me and for any of the other attendees. If I don't want to go deal with my mom at this funeral, why would I put myself through that? I have a lot of other family members up there too, aunts and uncles and stuff. And I just, I don't talk to those people very much. So why would I even bother putting myself through? They probably hate me based on what my mom said anyways. That was my thinking, right? Well, my sister convinced me to go anyways. She was in the area with her kids, my nieces and nephew. And uh, she wanted me to come up. It's only like a four hour trip or something, so. I was like, all right, I'll go, I'll go up. Couple months ago, I'd thought ahead, cause I, you know, my dad died and I knew it was important to have pictures of the people that you love. So I thought ahead, I knew my grandpa was kind of on his last leg. So I got like a bunch, like eight books made up, picture books through like Shutterfly or something. Old pictures of the entire family, my mom's side of the family, including my grandpa. I got a a whole bunch of them done. So I get to the funeral that day, and I was there with my sister. We drove there together. We go inside and sit down, and there's my mom, you know, she's sitting over there. Weirdly, because going to a worldly funeral is banned. That is against the rules. You will be disfellowshipped for it. My sister argued with with me about this because she was like, no, oh, the Watchtower of Society gives special leeway for like things related to family. And she disagreed. She was like, no, she wouldn't be disfellowshipped for this. So I looked it up specifically. My grandpa was never a Jehovah's Witness. He was in the military, Korean War, and he had a military send-off as well as a church funeral. My mom was there for both events. She would be disfellowshipped for that if her circuit overseer knew. This is like as bad as adultery. It's listed in the Shepherding the Flock Elders Handbook 2019 edition, I think, or 2018. It's also listed in the October 15th, 2007 Watchtower. It specifically says you can't go to worldly funerals and participate in worldly worship basically can't participate in worldly versions of church or whatever so right off the bat she'd be disfellowshipped for that found it fascinating she decided to come to it but you know what i went there and i wasn't gonna say a word to my mom i was just gonna go there and chill out 
appreciate the funeral for what it was, give out some of the books that I had brought to my aunts and uncles, and go home. That was going to be it. So I went there with Rose, my wife, and Kylie, my daughter, and we're sitting in the church pews over on the side. And my mom's sitting in the middle. She's pretty far from us. She, we didn't have to cross paths at all. She walks up to Rose and puts her hand on her arm and says, I want to apologize to you specifically if I hurt your feelings. You. Specifically you, is what she said. And I looked over. Rose is just, like, staring at her, didn't say a word. And I was like, what about me? And my mom just stares at me. I think she said, I can't fix that. And I said, I want to be in your life. And she said, are you going to make a scene at a funeral? And then walked away. And then after that, guess what? She told everybody that I made a scene at the funeral. I yelled at her at, at the funeral is what she said. She told everybody I yelled at her at the funeral. So my sister was talking to me and basically told me that uh, my mom was trying to spread that around. I made a scene at the funeral. My mom walked up to us and said that shit and said that I made the scene at the funeral. I intended to steer well clear of her and it was only a couple of words said anyways. Well, as it turns out, the entire family fucking hates my mom. I had no idea that it was like this. I, I thought my mom was going around telling people all kinds of shit about me. But no, as it turns out, nobody can stand her. She's awful. Like, she has burned every bridge that she has. So uh, I took solace in that fact, at the very least. I, I'm glad that she is miserably failing to turn people against me. So after the funeral service, I went up to each of my aunts and uncles and gave them the books personally. One of them each got one, basically. They were, like, crying and everything. They were, like, so happy. I was so glad that I brought them those books. I was just perfectly timed. It was the perfect gift to give in that exact moment. I had actually planned on giving them out to people like way earlier, but it was just, it worked out perfectly. I was just so glad that I could give them those in that moment because I absolutely know exactly how they felt losing a parent. I have, I lost my dad recently, as most people have heard. So it, other than my mom being just the, the monster that she is, it went really well. There is apparently a lot of family drama um, like I said, my mom is really pissed off a lot of people. And I have to wonder, what is her end goal in pissing everybody off and hurting people's feelings and yelling at them and then flipping it around and saying they yelled at her? What is her end goal? What does she think she's doing? What is she accomplishing with this? Kem Panda, I'm so glad y your family has seen through her toxicity. I can only imagine it still sucks to see her like this. Sorry, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it does suck. It sucks a lot. I don't actually ever expect to have a relationship with her again. And after everything she's done to me, maybe I don't even want it anymore. And maybe I'm starting to wonder why I ever did. She's been nothing but toxic to me from day one. She's just an awful person in her heart. She's got a bad heart. An immoral, evil person, really. Carter420, are you worried you might out your mother for going to a funeral? Is there any chance someone might see this video and use it against her? Um, I doubt it. I really doubt it. First of all, nobody actually knows who she is or what congregation she goes to or even what she looks like or any of that stuff. So 
nobody is going to be able to contact her congregation and tell them what she did, first of all. Second, I guess family members might see it and might decide to call. That would be a little bit more justified if family members did it. Um, and if they did, so what? She broke the rules. I smoked a cigarette and got kicked out. She can face the consequences for going to a funeral. If, like, my sister or something decided that she wanted to call the elders and tell them, let her. Who fucking cares? It's not my problem. It's her problem. She made that stupid fucking mistake in the first place. On top of that, I believe she brought somebody else to the funeral with her, a fellow Jehovah's Witness. They had no ties to the family. They were not related in any way. Maybe had never even met my grandpa. I don't know. They had no right to be at that funeral, according to the religion. Like, I don't give a shit that they were there. It doesn't matter to me at all. But the, according to the religion, they should be disfellowshipped for that. This isn't like a repentance type of thing. This is like a, I just committed adultery type of thing, and they need to be kicked out for this shit. This is real serious. This is a big fucking deal within Jehovah's Witnesses. Taking part in worship in a worldly church, in a church from Christendom, that's a big fucking deal. At this point, the divide isn't the cult anymore. My mom says she can't talk to me she's a, because I'm an apostate. My sister's an apostate, and she talks to my sister. My mom doesn't talk to me for religious reasons. She doesn't talk to me because she fucking hates me. I've had to come to that realization and just accept it. She just fucking hates me. That's what it is. She said I'm repulsive last time I talked to her. When am I going to get the hint? She just fucking hates me. There's no fixing that. Just move on with my life, sadly. There was one more voicemail I wanted to listen to, but I, I wanted to lead it up with this story. I have LGBT family members in my family that went to that funeral. This family of mine is very conservative. I mean, deeply conservative, like huge Trump supporters, all the stolen election shit and everything, anti-vax, the whole nine yards, very deeply read, some of them are, uh, including my grandpa, he was a Trump supporter. I didn't know how it was gonna go when the LGBT family members I have walked in there, but to my surprise, even the deeply red, deeply Republican family members, to my knowledge, never misgendered my, my LGBT family member, and never offended them in any way, treated them with respect, the whole nine yards. It was so amazing to see deeply red conservatives treating a member of the LGBT community with such respect. That being said, they vote for disgusting monsters who mistreat the LGBT community, and that's pretty unforgivable in my eyes. But I feel like LGBT issues are no longer really a left-wing issue. I feel like LGBT issues are kind of shifting to the center. Like everybody, even Republican families, have LGBT members of the family. It's like a 10% rate or something like that. Like 10% of the population is LGBT even more in some cases. There isn't a single family in the U.S., I'd venture to say, or very, very few who don't have a member of the LGBT community in it, whether they know that fact or not. And the fact that so many family members have been coming out as 
gay or trans or whatever else is the reason why so many deeply read Republicans have been forced to face this issue, have been forced to either accept who they are or leave. And usually when faced with that choice, at least in recent years, they've chosen to accept it, even the deepest read Republicans. I feel like a lot of the problems that the LGBT community has now are the Republican leaders, like the, the leadership, the congressmen, the senators, and all that stuff, continuing to act like demagogues and demonize them. If we can try to put a stop to that, it'll get even better. And I, I think that it's getting so much better right now, mostly thanks to the people who did come out of the closet and suffered terribly for doing so. They suffered terribly for coming out to family members who they knew wouldn't accept them. They were hated and spit on and kicked out of their homes, and they were never spoken to again by their family members. But some of them, some of them were accepted by some of the least likely members of that family. That has made the world better for others. It's made it easier to come out for others. By coming out of the closet, it's made society a better place to be for fellow LGBT members. So I, I have to applaud and recognize people who came out when it wasn't easy to come out. All that being said, there's one more voicemail I wanted to listen to. We're running short on time, but I really want to listen to it. Check this out. This is Russ from Iowa, 63 years old, old, old fart. I don't know how much demographics you need. Been listening for a couple of months. Really, really like your videos. Uh, I'm a theist. I'm trying my best to keep my sanity. I try to actually treat people like Jesus would treat people. I have a transgender son. I have a gay married son. I have a transgender grandson. I have a transgender nephew. I have gay cousins. I have black people in my family. I have atheists, agnostics, Catholics, Baptists, Pentecostals. I have Koreans in my family. I try to love everybody. Treat them like Jesus would. I love them all. I love you too. Anyway, I'll just say bless you even though you don't believe in God. I like your stuff. Hang in there. Bye-bye. I appreciate that. I'm glad to hear that we have differing beliefs and that we can still meet in the middle somewhere. But that wasn't the only voicemail that I got from Russ. There is another one. Listen. Hey, this is Russ again, real quick. I apologize for using the, the terminology. Formerly a son, I have a transgender daughter. I'm still getting used to the new names and everything. So bear with me. That was not meant as a political dig or anything like that. I'm just doing my best to get used to it. So, all right. Thanks. Bye-bye. That is better than not trying to get used to it. This guy seems like he, at least at some point in his life, was more conservative than he is now, at least. And he's obviously still a Christian, but his family members came out as trans or gay or whatever else, and it made him realize that this issue affects him and he needs to figure it out. He needs to understand it more. 
or he's going to lose his family members. He decided to understand it more and do his best to respect who they are and realign his perspective on things, to be respectful of them. I have to say, I've, I respect the hell out of that. Even if we disagree on some things, I am so glad to see some people doing their best to realign their perspectives and try to figure things out and make the world better and easier and a nicer place to be for others. Good on your family for at least showing respect toward the LGBT members of the family. Yeah, I was honestly very surprised, but none of them, as far as I know, I haven't heard anything, none of them mistreated or misgendered or anything, the LGBT members of the family. And they're very deeply conservative. I was super surprised by that shit. And I think that's happening across the country. A lot of families are... are, are kind of realigning their perspectives and figuring things out. So, good news. Good news for the LGBT community. We're getting there. This is exactly how you normalize a movement, how the LGBT movement's been doing it, and atheists need to follow suit. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hi, Owen. This is Sarah from Denmark. So I visited Copenhagen in Denmark the other day, went into the Scientology church just for fun, and they asked me to put on gloves and a mask. So apparently they don't believe psychology, they don't believe masks, but they're terrified of the coronavirus as opposed to a lot of other religious institutions right now. So what's that about? Thanks, bye. It's interesting how different religions pick and choose which science they want to accept. They're extremely critical of science in some areas, but accepting of it when it reaffirms what they already believe. Like you said with Scientology, they aren't really a religious cult, they're a psychology cult. They believe that mainstream psychology is evil and only serves to hurt people. And if you want real psychology, you have to come to them to get it. But they accept certain types of science. That's like the only one they have a problem with. And that's largely because the founder, L. Ron Hubbard, absolutely hated psychology. He had his own ideas on psychology and how it worked. And when he submitted those ideas to like, I don't know who, the American Psychological Association maybe, they rejected those ideas because they were nonsense. They were not based in fact in any way. And ever since then, he's had a grudge against psychology in general. Jehovah's Witnesses, on the other hand, generally accept science for the most part up until the moment it interferes with what they believe. Since Jehovah's Witnesses aren't supposed to get involved in politics at all, they aren't really falling victim to the whole anti-vax thing. So they have been encouraging people to get vaccinated, luckily. But they have outright banned their people from getting certain treatments for the virus, like um, like the antibody injection, like the blood plasma injection or whatever, that when that treatment was going around, they banned anybody from getting that because it has blood in it because it's a blood fraction or whatever, being plasma. They accept some science, they reject other science. That's how basically every religion works. Don't even get me started on Christian science. That's how basically every cult works. So anyway, it was an interesting observation. I didn't know that about Scientology, that they were being really cautious about the virus. But you know what? I'll take it as a win. I'll take it as a win.
I think all the rest of the shit they say is ridiculous, but I'll accept this at the very least. Hi, Owen. My name is Tycho, and I used to watch from Hawaii, but I'm now watching from British Columbia, Canada. Wow, that is a huge move. Moving from Hawaii to Canada. Jesus Christ. I actually looked into moving to Canada myself. I mean, I don't think I could. It would just be too difficult to do. Getting a passport, getting citizenship. I mean, I don't even know what's fully involved in it. Um, but congratulations on that move. That sounds like it was a mess, but I'm glad you made it. Canada seems like a better place to be than the U.S. at this immediate moment. I'm concerned that someone worse than Trump is going to rise up and, and sort of take his place um, I'm wondering what your take on that is and, and if the uh, people following him now will move on to that person or if they might even completely change direction. Uh, thanks for your work and your opinion. Interesting question. Uh, the thing is, I think that the Republican Party has been leaning toward cult-like attitudes and cult-like mentalities for a long time, since the early 2000s. They've been going there. All it really needed was a little push. It needed one person who really likes that to come along and grab the reins and take it the rest of the way there. And Donald Trump did that. I think Donald Trump is one of a kind when it comes to cult leaders. I don't think it would be easy to pick up his base and take them along for the ride. I think this is like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. He was in the right place at the right time, and he was exactly the right personality to make this happen just right. And I think those people that followed him are, are not going to let go. I don't believe they'll ever let go. They have effectively turned him into a messiah, seriously. I mean, that's not hyperbole. I'm sure you've probably seen how insanely religiously they view the guy. I mean, I've been, I say a lot of people have seen because I've been showing this shit on my channel, comparing him to King Cyrus, saying he has the Cyrus anointing, comparing him to Elijah, constantly comparing him to Bible characters, Joseph from Egypt, and even Jesus, comparing him to Jesus. I'll insert a picture of a, of a billboard that was put up by a conservative group recently that clearly illustrates this point. He is viewed as Jesus. I don't think anyone's going to be able to easily come along and pick that up in his place. He would either have to be gone completely or endorse them directly and saying, I'm stepping out of politics or something like that. And even then, they wouldn't get the same enthusiasm that this guy got. This is like a really unique phenomenon that we got to observe. And it's fascinating from a psychology perspective, horrifying from a society perspective. Hey, Owen. This is Brody from Pennsylvania. I was doing some volunteer work last weekend, and a man walked up who was a Mormon because he handed me and a few other volunteers a Mormon pocket Bible and another uh, flip book about Mormonism, and obviously we're trying to proselytize, and my question is, how would an appropriate way to handle being proselytized like that, uh, how, how would a good way to handle that be? Because I am a Gnostic atheist, very, very firm in my atheism, and I would just, you know, don't want to be rude, because that person is clearly going through a lot in the cult. Thank you. Usually, 
people who are proselytizing, like Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on doors or Mormons or whoever else, their goal is to get as many people into the religion as they possibly can as quickly as they can. And if they realize that you're basically a lost soul and it's not going to happen, as sad as they may be that they can't bring you in from the dark, quote-unquote, as they view it, they're more than happy to move on and not waste their time on a dead end, typically. I mean, you know, it varies from person to person, obviously, but if you're just straight up with them and firm and say... I'm not interested, and nobody else here is interested either. We don't believe in any of this stuff. In fact, we think your religion is harmful to society. You're not going to get anywhere with us. If you just lay it on the line like that, I think they would be more appreciative than if you kind of let them around by the nose or whatever else. I know that I would have been more appreciative when I was knocking on doors, and I'm sure it varies from person to person, but just giving a straight, flat answer is probably the best route to take. Hello, this is Corey from Georgia. I heard an interesting anecdote from my grandmother uh, about her childhood. She says her daddy was a Jehovah's Witness, but the strange thing about the story was she was adamant that they told her that Jesus was not the Son of God, but was a prophet. I'd like to know what you think about that. Uh, goodbye. I appreciate that. Interesting. So they're saying that Jesus was a prophet, but not the Son of God. That's not actually what Jehovah's Witnesses believe. So let me listen one more time. Who was it that said that? From my grandmother uh, about her childhood. She says her daddy was a Jehovah's Witness. Got it. So your grandmother was told by her dad, who was a Jehovah's Witness, that Jesus was not the Son of God. He was a prophet. Interesting. Jehovah's Witnesses' belief on this is unique in that they don't believe the same way that the majority of the Christian world believes. I think the majority of the Christian world is actually Catholic. I believe that the numbers support Catholicism as the majority. Catholicism believes that they're all one. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, the the Holy Trinity, they're all one being, right? Kind of a confusing, weird little mess that isn't actually biblical, but I digress. Jehovah's Witnesses have actually hit on this accurately. The Trinity is fabricated. It is not real. It was added to the Bible later. This is widely accepted by mainstream scholars on this subject. The Trinity was added later. And Jehovah's Witnesses use that fact that they're correct about to lend themselves credibility about their interpretations about the rest of the Bible. So I'm not sure why they would say that he wasn't the Son of God. That isn't what they believe. But they are unique in their beliefs about Jesus. Although a lot of Protestant denominations have come around to kind of throw out the Trinity, recognizing that it's nonsense, and it was added way later by people who were not the original authors. Next, we're going to talk about Tony Spell making a guest appearance on Alex Jones' show to talk about the vaccine. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
The next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Tony Spell. Now, I've talked about this guy a few times before, but he's been up to some shenaniganery lately. He went on Alex Jones' show to talk about some real weird shit. So I wanted to catch you guys up on who this is, and then we'll talk about the newest articles about him and see what he had to say to Alex Jones. Check this out. This is from early June 2021. Any government is not built on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. That government is headed for a fall. It is impossible to govern a nation without God in the Bible. It is impossible for our Constitution to work in a nation that is not holy and righteously consecrated unto God. You know, it's weird to me that he's sitting here with a straight face saying countries can't exist without God, when in fact many countries are very successful without integrating religion into politics. In fact, I would venture as far as to say more successful than the United States government. Not necessarily more successful economically, but they run successfully, more cleanly than the U.S. government does. Of course, the U.S. government is a secular government, whether he likes that fact or not. It's just that a lot of dominionists and extremists have worked their way into political power to the point now that you can't run as a Republican unless you're screaming about Jesus from the hilltops. Anyway, let's keep listening. And righteously consecrated unto God. Our Constitution was created for a moral and a religious people. It is wholly inadequate in the government of any other. Actually, our Constitution specifically has a section in it saying that the government will not establish any religion. One of the writers, Thomas Jefferson, went on to clarify that to say to Danbury Church, separation of church and state is sacrosanct. It cannot be violated. The church will stay out of government. Government will stay out of church business. That's just how it is. That is what Thomas Jefferson, the one of the writers of the Constitution, said. This guy is just straight up contradicting the founding fathers, rewriting history or attempting to. And I know some of you, I've heard you tell me time and time again that we get uncomfortable when you talk about our government. We get afraid when you call out our government. Well, don't you worry, I hadn't got started real good as of yet. I just want you to know tonight that we have a wicked government that is ruling our world today. You know, I find it so interesting that he seems to be like, Listen to this again. Hang on, let me find the spot. We get uncomfortable when you talk about our government. Is anybody actually saying that? Is anybody actually saying we get uncomfortable when you talk about the government or politics or whatever the hell else? Seriously, is anybody in this guy's church really saying they're uncomfortable with him talking about the government? I really doubt it. In case you didn't catch on, this is a deeply evangelical church. Hard right extremists. It should be obvious by the fact that this guy went on Alex Jones's show, which we'll be talking about in a minute. I think this is just another point of persecution. I think this is just him countering any arguments from the outside before they even come in. Churches shouldn't be talking about politics. You know, Thomas Jefferson said there should be a separation between church and state. And that's what we've always followed for like 250-something years now. I think he's trying to counter those arguments before they come in. 
I really doubt anyone in his church is bringing this up. But I keep hearing this, not just from this dude, from like Jeff Jansen and Johnny Enlow. I guess I can see people say, talk more about Jesus rather than Trump specifically. Greg Locke has been complaining about this too, weirdly, that people are bitching him out for, you know, supporting Trump or talking about the government. But I don't think it's that common. I think they're picking out like one person out of a crowd of like, tens of thousands, if even one mentions it. I think they're just priming the audience to shut this argument down before it comes up. There's another clip here. This is from AP. This came out mid-2020, and if I remember correctly, this pastor was holding church services through the pandemic despite court orders not to, and there were protesters out there, specifically one protester who we'll hear from in a minute. Tony Spell actually assaulted the guy and got arrested for it and put on home confinement. Check this out. He just pulled as far over under the shoulder as he could without hitting me. He was maybe six inches away. So, and that happened nearly instantaneously. It was just suddenly there's a guy driving 45 miles an hour a few inches from you. I was just... Shocked and then more shocked. That's pretty fucking scary. Dude came at him with a, a truck, like a pickup truck, was trying to run him down or at least intimidate him at the very least. And that wasn't the only event either. Shortly after that, Tony Spell actually came at the guy with a church bus. I don't know if you guys have ever driven a bus before, but you basically can't see what's behind you. You have no depth perception because the mirrors don't, translate depth perception at all. All you can see is an object and your best guess. That's why really when you're backing up, you need somebody behind you telling you, come on, or telling you to stop or whatever. You shouldn't be backing a bus up unless someone's back there or you know exactly how much space you have. You've measured it out and you have a line on the road telling you where it's okay to stop, that kind of thing. So check this out. Uh, this is the next attack that Tony Spell did on this protester. At first, I just assumed he was actually trying to turn around his bus. He kept hammering his horn the whole time until he turned around in his driveway. Then he stopped and started backing up at me. By the time it was actually close enough to hit me... Look at how fast this bus is going. Seriously, it's going pretty fucking fast. And he can't see what's behind him. He can't see. All he knew was there was a protester there because he had just turned around and lined the bus up to run this guy over. He knew there was a person there, and he threw it in reverse and hit the gas. Close enough to hit me, I was just kind of in shock. I'm assuming that better judgment got the best of him before he actually hit it, and he decided to hit the brakes because he knew he'd go to jail for manslaughter if he hit him. I don't know. I don't know why he decided to stop there. He could not have known how close he was. He could have hit him at any moment, and he would have no way to know. I don't think the pastor could see me anymore, so I don't think it was necessarily intent to not hit me as much as it might have been luck. When the bus stops is about the time I fully realize what's going on. So this guy, needless to say, has gotten himself in a lot of trouble legally. Like I said, he was on house arrest. He was full-blown arrested for some of this shit. Check this out. This is Tony Spell actually getting arrested. It's kind of long, so let me speed it up a little bit. He's walking over, he's got his Bible. 
the the police are walking over to him and he's kind of running away see remember this is double speed so but yeah they grabbed him they're handcuffing him I don't know if you guys can hear it or not I can't hear it so yeah guy got arrested I believe I don't quote me on this because I don't remember which arrest this is for but I think that this was over being assaulted I'm sorry I think this is over him assaulting that protester by driving the truck into him and then driving the bus into him or attempting to um, anyways that was Tony Spell being arrested that was his arrest video I thought that was absolutely fascinating so he has obviously gotten himself into a lot of trouble in the past and he decided to go on Alex Jones's show recently so I wanted to give this clip a watch of him going on Alex Jones's show see what he had to say for himself this came out late September 2021 check this out a suggestion not even a recommendation but from God to resist and never comply Daniel 11.32 says, And such as do wickedly shall the Antichrist corrupt by flatteries. That word flatteries means feminism. It means demasculinization. Demasculinization. Interesting. I haven't heard that word before. Obviously, he's talking about, the, you know, complying with COVID lockdowns and vaccine mandates and things like that. Right in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, hundreds of thousands of people dead. And this guy is losing his shit because he has to hold his services on Zoom instead of in person. You can't pull it together to help the human race and save millions of lives just like for a year. You can't do shit for a year. Please hold it together for at least a year. I mean, I sat my happy ass in my house for like two years straight now. I've done my best to only go outside when I absolutely needed to. I stopped eating out at restaurants. I stopped going out and hanging out at the park or chilling with the boys or any of that shit. I only went out when I needed to. Going to my office, going to the post office to drop off packages, getting gas at a gas station, wearing a fucking mask. And this guy is reversing any good that I might be doing by holding his megachurch services of thousands of people. He started complaining about this a month or two after the pandemic really started. He couldn't even hold it together for a week. He couldn't hold it together for even a week. Masculinization of mankind. And now he's complaining about feminism. What do you even say to this? What do you even say? Demasculinization of mankind. That's what the mask does. That's what the vaccine does. That's what complying with these inhumane, ungodly orders does. What is ungodly about staying inside to save people's lives? Honestly, what is ungodly about it? Please, if you're going to tell me something is ungodly and you're telling me that as a pastor, give me the verses. You know, the Catholic Church used to ban people from owning Bibles because they didn't want people to come up with their own interpretations. And that eventually, obviously, led to the Reformation and, you know, Martin Luther and all of that other stuff, uh, you know, nailing stuff to a wall, blah, 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 led to Protestantism and a, a splinter of Christianity into a billion different denominations. If you're going to tell me that something is ungodly as a pastor and then not give me the verses where God says it is ungodly to wear a mask, it is ungodly to 
lockdown or quarantine. It is ungodly to get vaccinated. If you're going to tell me these things and not give me verses for it, I'm going to say you're a false prophet. I'm going to say you're no better than the Catholic Church, which I know eats him up inside. Most people seem to hate Catholics for some reason. I don't get it. But you're saying you're saying Satan conquers us by domesticating us and making us weak. He does. That's why Pharaoh said murder all the baby boys in Exodus 2. That's why Herod wanted to kill every baby boy two years and younger to kill Jesus. And yesterday, an attorney in our church is representing a nine-month-old black baby boy who is being adopted by two married black women. And whenever she called it an abomination, the judge stopped the proceedings and put her out of the courtroom. This woman was simply protecting a nine-month-old helpless baby boy that is already an endangered species. An endangered species. He's talking about black people like they are a different species. That should give you some insight into who this guy is and what he believes and how he views the world. That's fucking disturbing. And by the way, don't trust anything he's putting out there. Like saying the judge put him out for saying it's an abomination or whatever. Look it up yourself. Don't believe him by default. He is known to lie about these things. I mean, intentionally deceive people into believing something that is not true. So, you know, don't take him at face value. That is already being... Well, you know, statistically, those couples then do the transgender deal. It's like a ritual. I don't know if those group... And they, they go after their testicles. I mean, it's like a religion to target boys with this whole transgenderism. They admit it's a transhumanist move. What? I'm sorry, dude. This is getting stranger and stranger. Seriously, these people absolutely need something to be persecuted about. They need to believe that they are under attack, that the human species is under attack, and you should care because you're a human too, because you're a white man too. None of this makes any sense for their testicles. I mean, it's like a religion to target boys with this whole transgenderism. They admit it's a transhumanist move. They always have to turn something they don't like into a religion, don't they? It's a short hop from religion to cult, and they know that. People usually demonize groups that they don't like as cults. I think that right now what they're doing is prepping the audience for the short leap from religion to cult. The leap from people are trans and that's just a fact of life. This happens, so we should treat them like fellow human beings. He takes that and he jumps to it's a religion. And now the leap that he has to make from religion to cult is relatively small in people's minds. And if he can demonize it as a religion, then you can be a heretic if you treat trans people like the people that they are. You can be a heretic to the church. You can be ungodly. You can be born of Satan. Notice uh, the use of the word ritual, too. Alex Jones specifically believes everything is a satanic death cult. He believes satanic ritual, blah, blah, blah. I could be wrong, but I believe he buys into the whole Hillary is a, is a member of the satanic church or whatever the hell else, too, just like Greg Locke was saying recently. Which, by the way, exactly right. Which, by the way, the vaccine takes away people's ability because of Bill Gates, because of Bill Gates' agenda that is in Daniel 7 and 25. Wait, Bill Gates' agenda is in Daniel 25? What's all this? The Bill Gates' agenda that is in Daniel 7 and 25 it takes away your ability to resist. 
It takes away your desire to be zealous and fanatical. Oh, no. I know what he's talking about. Look at people that are vaccinated. They're like zombies. They're just wandering around with no goals. Oh, I know what he's talking about right now. There's this video floating around on the internet that is basically... It's claimed that it's Bill Gates showing this slideshow to the CIA of a vaccine that would erase religious belief. And it's from like 2001 or something. It's not true. It was completely fabricated. There is no evidence that it's real at all. It was released like years and years ago, like 10 years ago or something. And people have claimed that it was different things over the years. First, it was Bill Gates showing a vaccine that would erase religious belief to the FBI. And then it was some other guy showing it to the CIA and so on and so forth. Nobody has any idea who released it at first or where it came from, and it can't be verified or backed up in any way, shape, or form. The research, quote-unquote, that they were showing isn't even real. There was never any research on any kind of vaccine to erase religious belief. What would that even look like? What would that entail? How would they even do that? It's just nonsense. It's propaganda used by the right to fearmonger, to spread this persecution complex. Once again, that is like their MO. They have to make people scared. Anyways, uh, hang on, there's one more thing I want to listen to. The way the vaccine takes away people's ability because of Bill Gates, because of Bill Gates' agenda that is in Daniel 7 and 25. Yeah, let's look up Daniel 7 25. We're running out of time, but I just want to look it up real fast just to see. Um, got me curious now. Let's see here. Ugh, King James Version fucking sucks. Daniel 7 25 says, He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. Uh, I'm really not sure what, like, why this is relevant to Bill Gates, like, at all, but this is very relevant to Jehovah's Witnesses. This is, like, the foundation of their belief about when the end is going to come and the year 1914 and the fact that Jesus already came back and all of that other stuff. It's, it's extremely relevant to that, but I, I, I'm honestly at a loss for words here. I really don't know what this has to do with Bill Gates, but the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Yeah, maybe it just doesn't have anything to do with Bill Gates at all. And this guy just spouts off random Bible verses to sound a little bit more credible to his congregants or to his listeners. In my opinion, this guy is no better than Alex Jones, except Alex Jones has a bigger platform, so that's pretty fucking concerning. When we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor Perry Stone claiming that we're now in the last days. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled, Pastor, My 175,000 Hours of Bible Study Tell Me We're 100% in the Last Days. This is written by Beth Stoneburner on the Friendly Atheist website. 
This article is actually about a guy named Perry Stone. I covered him a while back about climate change. He was talking about climate change. Uh, we're going to watch that clip in a second. It's from early August 2021, but I just want to make note of something real quick with this guy, Perry Stone. His YouTube channel has, wait for it, 600,000 subscribers. That is a whole heck of a heap of subscribers. 651,000 to be exact. That's concerning. We should be taking this guy seriously because he has a big fucking audience who listens to him. He's not a nobody. So the things that he says affect real people in real life. Let's give this clip a listen. Again, it's from early August, and he's explaining why climate change is irrelevant. After we listen to this one, we'll take a look at his newest one, explaining why we're actually in the last days, and he's 100% sure of it. So check this first clip out. In Revelation chapter 20, when Christ comes back to earth and sets up his kingdom, he's going to change everything. And there's going to be a thousand years of peace. And so the sons of God, and these are the children of God, these are believers who return with Christ to set up the kingdom for a thousand years. We're going to see a complete change in the earth and that what we call the travail of creation or the travail of the earth will cease when the Messiah returns. So those who criticize believers now for not being, you know, environmentally concerned or whatever, we know how the book ends. We know where this is going. We know how in the end when Messiah comes back. Look, folks, can I say something to you? And My God, this guy doesn't, like, when he takes a breath, it's mid-sentence. He doesn't take a breath at the periods or the commas. It's like, right after a word or even in the middle of a word he takes a breath and then just keeps on going i'm trying to find a break in here so basically what he's saying is god gave us the planet and all of the animals and everything to have dominion over it right you you guys remember that verse in the bible don't you where we're supposed to take care of the planet and the animals and all that stuff he's saying stop giving a shit who cares why should we give a shit anymore? Jesus is coming back. We know how this ends. He's just going to snap his finger and then litter will be gone. We don't have to care. Pollution will just be gone. Fascinating. So it seems like he's finally accepting climate change, but he doesn't care. It comes back. Look, folks, can I say something to you and say it in love? It's wonderful to do all that we can to help the planet. But at the same time, if you know what the prophecy says, you know what's coming and you know that real peace real joy and, and, and everything that men want will only happen with the return of the Messiah. If I remember correctly, God specifically left the planet and all of the animals on it in our care, didn't he? Didn't he tell us to take care of these things and treat them well and be fruitful and have children and be merry and all that shit? Oh, that verse is inconvenient, so just ignore it, you know? If it's inconvenient to what you already believe, if it doesn't really click in with all the other shit, just throw it out. Who cares? Pretend it doesn't exist. Just one more contradiction marked on the board. So that was Pastor Perry Stone. Last time I covered him, I think it was around early August, and that was the video that we talked about at the time. I just wanted to give you a little bit of a lead up 
to who he is before getting into this article. And then we're going to watch the next clip from him. So let's give this article a read by Beth Stoneburner, see what, he, see what she had to say. After hours, too many hours really, of intense study, right-wing pastor Perry Stone is convinced we have officially entered the prophesied last days described in the Bible. It would be a little more convincing if countless preachers hadn't said the exact same thing many times before. This is a quote from Right Wing Watch on Twitter. Right Wing Pastor Perry Stone claims that he spent 175,000 hours studying the Bible, which equals eight hours a day for every single day of his life, and declares that he's 100% certain that we literally have entered the the last of the last days. So let's give this clip a watch and see what he had to say for himself. This came out early October 2021. I am absolutely convinced. I'm, I'm 62 years of age. I've been preaching for 46 years. Uh, and I'm not saying this in a boasting way, but we probably have well over between 172 to about 175,000 hours literally in study. That's reading, studying, word studies, research, reading books. And that's not an exaggeration because since I was 16 years of age, uh, I would go four hours, then eight hours, and, and sometimes 10 to 12 hours a day. My staff knows I'm telling you the fact. That's Okay, even with that as the fact, which, you know, I, I'm having a little trouble accepting it, but okay, you know, for the sake, uh, let's just humor the guy. Let's say he's accurate in this fact that's still not 175,000 hours not even close to it he said he's been in the ministry for 40 years right let's be generous say 10 hours a day five days a week because you know you got to have the weekends off of course 10 hours a day five days a week 52 weeks a year 40 years that's a hundred thousand hours 104,000 to be exact not 175,000. That's 60% of what he actually claimed. I know this is kind of a silly point to harp on. I'm just saying you got to be accurate when you say shit like this. Come on. Or nobody's going to believe you. Even saying it's 10 hours a day is like obscenely high. In fact, that's what I do. And uh, in, in the process of the study and the research, I am 100%, not 99 and a half, that we have literally entered the last of the last days, the time of the end. Doesn't that sound familiar? Have we heard that from anybody else? I seem to remember our old buddy Stephen Lett saying something similar to that, Jehovah's Witness governing body member. So the events unfolding around us are making clearer than ever that we're living in the final part of the last days, undoubtedly, the final part of the final part of the last days, shortly before the last day of the last days. People have been claiming that we've been in the last days since the dawn of fucking time. But I do wonder, like, you know, I wasn't alive and aware and, and keeping track of this shit 50 years ago or even 30 years ago or 20 years ago. I wasn't even paying attention. I wonder if it has gotten more urgent in the past 20 years. I wonder if people are getting like more serious about it now than they were 20 years ago. I mean, we don't really have any way of knowing, I guess, because media is completely different now than it was 50 years ago. You know, the internet exists now and it, it just didn't exist in its current form 50 years ago. Not like it is now. I really wish 
we knew we had some solid way of knowing if they're getting more and more urgent or if this is just the same bluster we've always heard but it, it honestly it's endlessly entertaining to hear pastors make claims like this that we're in the last days i love it i love listening to these guys stick their foot in their mouth over and over again anyway let's read this article by beth stoneburner this is a quote from the video we just watched we probably have well over between 172 to about 175,000 hours, literally, in study. Since I was 16 years of age, I'd go 4 hours, then 8 hours, and sometimes 10 to 12 hours a day. My staff knows I'm telling you the fact. That's what I do. And in the process of the study and the research, I'm 100%, not 99.5, that we have literally entered the last of the last days, the time of the end. This is Beth Stoneburner speaking. Of course, it doesn't matter how long you study if you don't know how to do it right. And claiming 100% certainty about the future based on a close reading of a text that continues to spur debate even in Christian circles is a sure sign that Stone never studied the text properly. Anyone who stayed half awake in seminary could refute this too, regardless of how long they studied, simply because, one, the Bible says that technically the last days began with the death of Christ, and two, no one, no matter their credentials, is supposed to know the day or the hour of Christ's return. Maybe Stone skipped those verses during his study sessions. Good point. Jehovah's Witnesses had this addiction to telling the future, to predicting the end. They did it like 16 fucking times throughout history. They did it in like 1874, 1878, 1913, 1914, 1922, 1925, 1975, a billion that I've already missed. They kept doing it and kept doing it and they kept getting it wrong over and over again. And finally, Jehovah's Witnesses learned from their mistakes and pretty much swore to never make a prediction like that again, never set a date like that. Now, they'll get super urgent about things. They'll say, we're in the last days, we're here. They'll stop saying the last days are near, and they'll start saying the last days are here. That's the kind of shit that they do. And in fact, just, what, 10 months ago, Stephen Lett said we're in the last days of the last days or something like that. So the events unfolding around us are making clearer than ever that we're living in the final part of the last days, undoubtedly the final part of the final part of the last days, shortly before the last day of the last days. So it doesn't really surprise me that these people are continuing to do this. I'm just surprised they didn't learn from their predecessors, honestly. And also, the fact that they didn't read the verse from the Bible that says nobody is supposed to know the day or the hour of Christ's return. What happened to that? Did they just forget that verse existed? When it's not convenient to what they want, they ignore it. That's the problem. When it's inconvenient, they pretend it's not even there. Let's keep reading. This is Beth Stoneburner again. It's really incredible when people start bemoaning the last days, the moment we're dealing with plagues, like a collapsed economy, corrupt leadership, etc. We're always in the last days because it's impossible to fact check. It's not hard for the same people who claim God created the universe in six days, because the Bible doesn't specify the length of the days, to stretch the duration of the last days. It means none of us will ever be around to fact check this down the road. The irony is that Christians like Stone could make the case that 
that climate change is an is an existential threat that better fits the idea of the last days but they won't make that argument because it would involve accepting the reality of of our environmental crisis that's very true although some religious pastors some religious wingnuts have actually accepted it and said that it's the result of god he's doing this this is the end of days this is his plan to destroy the earth through climate change there is no end to this madness and i would kill to have a bead on whether or not this is getting more intense over time i would love to know if it's exactly the same now as it was 50 years ago i guess that's something that is probably objectively knowable but it would require an awful lot of research and i don't know if the data is even there i don't know if like 50 years ago people were even recording that kind of thing you know like were televangelists on tv back in the 70s saying this stuff possibly maybe they were but we didn't have tvs say in 1910 or 1900 we have no way of knowing if it's gotten more intense over the past hundred years maybe we can objectively know this over the past 50 it'd it'd be hard to research and find out but over the past hundred years i don't know past two three hundred probably not something that we could ever know but damn it would be interesting to know for sure tim gwain yeah in the 70s end times and the rapture were huge even a lousy movie series of the rapture and tribulation i remember in 1988 there was a pamphlet out there that was titled 88 reasons the rapture will happen in 1988 fascinating my god i didn't realize that you know i should definitely write some of this shit down and read some of these pamphlets and and some of these like materials like jehovah's witnesses did a prediction in 1975 too and it fell flat on its face of course See if I can find some of this shit and read it on stream. I think that'd be super interesting. Next, we're going to talk about Fox News bringing up the canceled Christmas narrative once again. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next article I wanted to look at is titled, It's October, so the GOP is already saying the left wants to cancel Christmas, quote-unquote. This is written by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website, so let's give this article a read and see what it has to say. The war on Christmas now begins in October, apparently. Over the weekend, Dr. Anthony Fauci said it's just too soon to tell if people could gather safely for Christmas, by which he meant COVID is still spreading and lots of people still haven't been vaccinated. Also, who knows what the virus situation will look like in three months? All of that is a fair, blunt assessment of the situation we're in. COVID remains a problem. Large indoor, presumably maskless gatherings with children who aren't and can't be vaccinated can only make things worse, though that could change if five-year-olds are able to get their shots later this month. Before I read more of the article, though, I want to watch some of the clips. Okay, so I've got a whole bunch of clips put together here of people basically freaking out over Anthony Fauci 
quote-unquote canceling Christmas. And after we watch them completely melt down over what he said, then we're going to listen to what he actually said. So let's start out with this reporter asking Jen Psaki, the press secretary for Biden, if Christmas is canceled. Check this out. Go ahead. Uh, thank you, Jen. First, does the president agree with Dr. Fauci that it's too soon to tell if people are going to be able to gather for Christmas? Well, the president relies on CDC guidelines, uh, and they have not changed their guidelines about who can gather together, those who are vaccinated. Uh, but we leave it to them if they need to change their guidelines based on where the pandemic sits. Okay, so basically ask the CDC. That's what I'm picking up from it, right? Uh, this came out early October. That's a fair response. You got to be careful. You know, there are people dying right now. I think we just passed 700,000. We're probably even higher than that now. You have to be careful about this shit if you care about your fellow man. Let's check out the next one. This one was, again, early October from a TV show called Fox and Friends. Of course, it's on Fox News, and it is completely unhinged from reality. Check it out. Nobody it's wants to work in the Cabbage another. Patch Factory. So no wonder Dr. Fauci's about to cancel Christmas. We're not going to have any presents anyway. So it's oh, going to really work out. Well, by the way, let's just clamp down on those about Dr. Seuss with the Grinch right. Dr. Fauci. Right. Dr. Seuss, not a real doctor, but he does, he does seem smart. And he was canceled. Right. This is like free word association at this point. They're just picking up on buzzwords that mean something to them and then throwing out even more buzzwords in response. Dr. Fauci, cancel Christmas. Dr. Seuss, not a real doctor, you know? Oh my God, these people are just like... Dr. Seuss, not a real doctor, but he does. He But he was canceled. Oh God, they're so disconnected from reality. It's endlessly entertaining to watch, but simultaneously kind of sad. Anyways, um, I actually considered talking about the whole Dr. Seuss's canceled thing. I was writing up a whole script for it for my main channel, and I never ended up getting around to finishing the script and recording and releasing. The company that owns the Dr. Seuss intellectual property made a decision for their company that they wanted to pull six books off the shelf or something like that, that they didn't feel represented their brand very well anymore. They were written, you know, 50 years ago or something like that. And they pulled them off the shelves because they wanted to and no other reason. And these people on Fox and Friends melted down over it. They lost their shit because a private company made a decision for their own brand. Their actions only make sense when you look at it from the perspective of them trying to destroy their enemies. That's the only time it makes sense. When they want to own the libs, that's the only reason they would make the decisions that they make or say the things that they say, to own the libs. There is no consistency. They have no moral principles to stand on. I'm talking like people like Fox and Friends, people on the show are the people I'm talking about. These guys right here. There's no moral consistency to be had. They just want to destroy their enemies and use as many buzzwords as they can on their way out. How many buzzwords did they even fit in this? This is like a 16 second clip, right? Let's, let's listen and count them. How many buzzwords we got? Nobody it's wants to work in the Cabbage another. Patch Factory. So no wonder Dr. Fauci's about to cancel Christmas. Okay, Dr. Fauci, cancel Christmas. That's three. We're not going to have any presents anyway, so it's oh, going to work, really work out. Well, by the way, let's just clamp down on those about Dr. Seuss with the grin. Dr. Seuss. Right. Dr. Fauci. Right. Dr. Fauci again. Dr. Seuss, not a real doctor. Dr. Seuss, not a real doctor. That's seven. He does. He does seem smart. And he was canceled. Right. And he was canceled. Number eight. Uh, 
wow, 16 second clip and they used eight different buzzwords or phrases throughout a 16 second clip. That's one buzzword or buzz phrase every two seconds. They really pack them in on Fox and Friends, don't they? This next clip I wanted to watch is from Newsmax, I believe. This came out early October and it was essentially a panel losing their minds over the disgraceful things Fauci said about that special holiday Christmas. Listen to this. Um, President Biden's approval ratings, uh, take a look. The gap is widening there. And now Dr. Fauci gets on the Sunday shows. I just want to point something out. Their source is Rasmussen. Uh, that is an awful source. That Rasmussen should not be trusted, certainly not as the sole source. When you're looking for approval ratings, you should get a consensus. There's a like a consensus graph you can look at. You know, they gather all of the sources together of a, just a billion different polls, and they put them all together, and they show a, kind of a trend line for the average of each of those sources. They're using one single source here. It's not even a trustworthy source in itself, so be wary about believing anything you see from Rasmussen alone, and certainly from Newsmax. That being said, Biden's approval rating is actually low, and it's partially because he withdrew from Afghanistan, something that I am in full and complete support of. Absolutely agree with his decision to do that. Some people don't, and that tanked his ratings. I'm glad he did it despite the fact that he knew he'd lose in the ratings, but th this is, I'm digressing here, so. They've been pushing this cancel Christmas narrative since the dawn of time. I mean, I specifically remember hearing them say things like this back in the early 2000s when I was a little kid. They've been saying this forever, that Democrats want to cancel Christmas. There's this huge-ass holiday debate. Do you say happy holidays or Merry Christmas? It's a culture war thing. People will say Merry Christmas and try to force you to say it back. It's ridiculous. Like, nobody gives a shit. Say what you want to say. Live the way you want to live. Whatever. Who cares? They are so wrapped up in their own propaganda, they can't see outside their bubble. Focus like a laser on getting the numbers down. Tom, um, can I just jump in here? Please, Rick, jump in on this. You know, we're all focused here on Fauci's answer. But come on, Margaret Brennan asking this question. <laughs> Why do we care? Right? Why do we care? Let's go to Mark on this. Yeah, please tell me, why do you care? Why are you sitting here talking about this constantly? Why are you so obsessed with this culture war about the Grinch stealing Christmas or whatever? Who gives a shit? Why are you devoting so much time to this? I've covered, what, how many, I think we're three clips deep now, right? This is the third clip, and this one is like a minute and a half, two minutes long. I mean, how much time are these supposed news networks, like Newsmax, how much time are they going to devote to this, honestly? Mark, why, why is a reporter asking Dr. Fauci for permission to gather her family That's at right. Christmas, knowing full well we've been gathering all summer, July 4th, uh, Labor Day, we will gather for Halloween, for Thanksgiving. We are gathering for Christmas. Why is it that a Washington, D.C. Yeah. reporter is asking for permission 
what's going on in Washington? Great point. Isn't it interesting how they're framing this? This is propaganda, what we're watching right now. They're framing this like this reporter was asking for permission. What was actually happening was this reporter was asking a doctor what he would advise she do and he wouldn't give an answer if you noticed it's too soon to tell that was his answer but you know what with all that being said let's actually watch the full clip of dr fauci this came out early october the moment he said a word people started hammering down on it every news network every right-wing news network fox news newsmax one american news network all of them every show on those news networks we're talking about this instantly. Check this out. We're going into cold weather. We're going into the holidays. Do people need to start yeah. looking around and saying it's just too risky to gather with family members if there are unvaccinated children? Even if you are vaccinated and you are in an indoor setting, a congregate setting, it just makes sense to wear a mask and to avoid high risk situations. And what we should be doing is look at ventilation in indoor places, we know now that this is clearly spread by aerosol. And when you have something spread by aerosol, you absolutely want more ventilation, which is the reason why outdoors is always much safer than indoors. And if you are indoors, ventilation is going to be key. And that's the reason why we really should be paying attention to that. There you go. There's your answer. This reporter asked, should we even hold Christmas events? And Fauci's answer was... If you're going to hold Christmas events, make sure everybody's vaccinated, make sure you're wearing a mask, and be careful. There was his answer. But guess what? It didn't end there. She wanted to push a little bit more. This is what reporters do. I don't blame her for this. She, the reporters push and push and try to ask the same question six different ways because they know they're going to get six different answers to it. And if they can get six different answers, then they can piece it together into what they think the person really does believe. They're not going to get like a rehearsed answer out of him. They're going to be able to piece it together into what he, how he actually feels about something. So listen to the second round at this question. But we can gather for Christmas or it's just too soon to tell? You know, Margaret, we, it's just too soon to tell. We've just okay. got to concentrating on continuing to get those numbers down. Did Fauci say, no, you can't gather for Christmas? He didn't tell people, no, don't gather for Christmas, don't celebrate. He didn't say, no, don't buy anybody gifts. Factory. So no wonder Dr. Fauci's about to cancel Christmas. We're not going to have any presents anyway. Oh, no presents? You're not going to have any presents? Is that what Dr. Fauci said? Because I must have misunderstood that. I must have missed that part of the interview. I don't remember him saying a fucking word about presents. But these people melt down over everything, especially when it comes to Christmas. They hyperbolize, and they lie about it, and they twist it out of proportion, and they propagandize. Whatever they can do to turn people into their enemies and then destroy those enemies, they'll do it. That's the kind of battle that we have to fight right now that's the kind of shit that we have to deal with let's read the article that went with some of these clips on the friendly atheist it's october so the gop is already saying the left wants to cancel christmas quote unquote this is Hemant Mehta speaking. There are only two possibilities here. Either members of Congress like Stefanik know Democrats don't hate Christmas and they're lying about it because they think their base is too dumb to figure it out, 
where they really do think they're out to end Christmas because they have no ability to function in the real world. The Democrats are trying to cancel Christmas narrative has been going around for years, and somehow it's never happened. I'm not sure how it could happen. Executive order? But if you're a conservative Christian whose entire existence hinges on feeling persecuted when you're not, then anything and everything is seen as a threat to you practicing your faith. Either way, these GOP politicians are as dumb as the people they're pandering to. They're the kind of people who think a plain red Starbucks cup is an attack on their religion. I remember that. That was Josh Feuerstein. That's what happens when you've never been the victim of any actual persecution. Absolutely agree. And you know something else interesting? Where was this cancel Christmas narrative? When Trump was president. Were they saying Trump is trying to cancel Christmas? The same shit happens during Republican administrations as happens during Democrat administrations. Same shit, but they completely overlook it when the Republican is in office or they blame the Democrat that's 10 levels below them. This is what a persecution complex looks like. It's obnoxious and ridiculous, but I'll be damned if it's not entertaining as hell to watch these people lose their minds over something so stupid. Jeff McKay, oh goody, the whinging over killing Christmas starts early this year because we can't sit around a table to talk to our invisible friend before we eat. Yep, what a war. I know. It's embarrassing watching these people, like, freak out over Christmas coming to an end or whatever the fuck. Like, nobody wants Christmas to end. I fucking love Christmas. And I'm, like... I'm liberal or I'm to the left or whatever. I love Christmas. What are they even talking about? It's all part of the persecution complex. They have to be hated. Their core values have to be attacked. Just like my mom, you know? She has to be attacked over something stupid. Just grow up and, and, and live like an adult for the first time in your life, please. Happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween to you too. Thank you so much. I... I love the holidays because I was never allowed to celebrate them when I was younger. Now I celebrate the holy frick out of them. I go over the top. It's unhealthy how much I love holidays. Tim Gwayne, interesting thing. It was Christians who canceled Christmas in the 1600s and it wasn't acceptable until Queen Victoria made it a palace thing. Interesting. Here's another little fun fact for you. There are pictures of Jehovah's Witnesses celebrating Christmas in their headquarters in Bethel, in their cult compound, in the 1920s, I think, before they banned Christmas celebration. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.